Good morning, everyone. All 
right. Let's just open with prayer. Lord God, we're here to worship you today on this brisk fall weather day. we got to put the bikinis away now, Lord. Um, but um, let us just go ahead and celebrate you and um, that although the seasons change, you remain the same. Though the challenges are there. God, we just claim that you will just bring your Holy Spirit into our lives here in power and might. And that we will um, just, just not only just know about you, but we'll begin to experience you even more than we ever have before. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way. Oh my God, He will not delay my refuge and strength always. I will not fear, His promise is true, my God will come through always, Oh, 
Amen. Lord, we just praise you and thank you. You can clap. Go for it. He don't care. Um, God, we just thank you that you have, you're here and that you are going to give us clarity in some times where uh, life doesn't seem very clear. Um, we hope that as we start this series, Hope for Mental Health, and um, we enter on this journey of hope, that God, you will, um, you'll, just, uh, you'll be the Lord of our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, and all those things, that we can just be, be your children as whole as we can be. For that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Underwater can't breathe, suffocating. Can't think, yeah, my thoughts be wondering. Nowhere to go, guess I'll stand hiding. Yeah, yo, feeling so alone. The world is kind of scary, so I climb back in my zone. Feeling so lost, trying to find my way home. Always been an outsider, cast away the unknown. I don't know what to do, should I tell my friends? But then again, my friendships may end. So I keep it to myself, won't let you in. Lord, tell me how much longer before it ends. It's like I'm living life through a dark tunnel. I can see light, but I can only see it. Even though some days I feel like I reached it, only to be knocked back down the tunnel, feeling defeated. I start back up just to stop again. Failure becomes my reliable new friend. I need to be free to tell. I pray the stigma gone. I pray the fear would fail. I pray that God will free my mind from this jail cell. At least give me some people that I can tell, that I can trust. Won't write me off as wasted dust. I just wish my mind would hush. So at this time, we're going to go ahead and lift up our prayer concerns. As you see, um, we're going to enter in this, and then we'll talk more about entering into this um, seven weeks of seeing what God's going to, going to do for us here. Um, a couple of prayers that we have listed here. Um, today, we have a lot of them. It seemed like this was a, uh, a week that needed a lot of prayer. So I don't know about you guys, but there are several. Um, we have some from, uh, Don, someone asked for prayers for Donald Joseph and family. Um, and he, uh, you might have seen on the news that his wife, Jennifer, who had issues with mental illness, stabbed and drowned their five-year-old son. 
um, on Monday night, and that was on the news in Philadelphia area. Pray for Vince Bamba, who's hospitalized for um, some medical issues. Also for Lou Show, Lou had a mild had a mild heart attack. is in the VA hospital, um, so we're going to pray for him. And Emily asked prayers for Joy Heacock. Um, she's battling cancer and has been placed on hospice and pray for her family also. Bobby Burke asked for prayers this week for her sister, Lori Richards, um, who is having surgery to remove a mass um, from her spine. Um, and so the surgery did go well, and the doctors feel they had everything, so we want to continue to pray for complete healing. Kitty Comer is still recovering um, from the infection that she had um, that was in, in her face when they uh, removed something, and so pray for her. Um, we've been praying for Debbie Ewing's um, brother, Steve. Um, he, uh, he has been diagnosed with lymphoma and not giving, given much hope and in uh, longevity. Um, others, other prayers... Um, Sally Teague has lifted up that Doug Johnson um, had a stroke, and for Jamie Meehan for also um, for breast cancer. Um, Rig and Sarah have asked for prayers for their son, Rig III, um, and so um, he's going to decide about some alcohol rehab and some things like that, so we want to continue to lift him and family in your prayers. Um, Melinda has traveling mercies for her family that's coming up, and together Thursday and Friday, you're going to have everybody together, right, for the first time in a while, and so... Um, so some are coming, they're coming from all over, from Florida to Tennessee and New England and everywhere. So um, North Carolina, sorry, North Carolina and New York. Uh, so you got them coming in from all over the place. Um, uh, and then just prayers for uh, Jackie and Donnie, Joanne and Ron. Joanne and Ron asked for prayers for them, um, for God's healing. And Patty uh, Miller asked for prayers for her nephew, PJ, um, who I've known since he was born. Um, but PJ... Um, has had uh, some difficulty in breathing and has had some surgery for that, so continue to be with him. And for nephew, uh, Beans and wife um, both have COVID, and for Jordan, who has COVID as well. So we recognize that's still a prayer that we have here, and we want to continue to lift people in in prayers as well. All right? So we're going to go to um, lift those prayers. Again, if you um, weren't able to get those on our prayer requests, you can do that right now uh, through our, our prayer list online at havencc.org. You can add those. Um, some people like to add those to um, to the Facebook page during the church so that people get them active. And then you, if you're here, you can also fill those out. We'll make sure that they get on our, our prayer list. Um, we're going to continue in week 31 of Unite 714, which is uh, praying uh, at 714 in the morning and in the evening. And um, yes, we are on week 31, um, which this originated to pray for God to remove um, COVID-19. So let's go ahead and read this if we can right now. Um, the scripture lesson for this is Ephesians chapter 6, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And First Thessalonians 5, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. So Lord, we come to you today, and when we are just bombarded by fears and doubts, it is a battle at times to believe a new day is truly dawning. So God, we put on the helmet of salvation, knowing even when our faith seems to fail us, we can hope in your eternal promises. For Lord, your word makes it clear that, w that we win in the end. The enemy's doom is sure, and one day all the kings of the world will become yours. No matter what we're facing, when we see you on that great day, we'll become like you and our pain and our brokenness will pass away. Heavenly Father, fill us with fresh hope today, 
No matter how life's battles are ebbing and flowing around us, we take our stand in you. Heal our broken cities and countries from their divisions and pour out your spirit on our world. For, Lord, you have armed us with the planet's most powerful weapon, the sword of the spirit, your precious word. And when we speak your word, explosive power is released. Even as your son Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness through your word, we too can rely on your word in our battles today. And so, Lord, we lifted up many people in our prayer list who are struggling in their very own battles. We ask that you be with each and every one of them that we mention by name. And Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, your Son, and our Savior, we command COVID-19 to be uprooted from our planet and eradicated. We also, Lord, employ your powerful word as we battle the divisions in both your church, the nations we serve, the communities we live in. For as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So God, there is a lot of hostility. There's hostility in our world, with each other, in our churches, and God, even within ourselves. And as we today take this step and begin to enter into an area that the church does not talk about, but reaches every single one of us at some level. I pray, God, that you'll break down the divisions that we experience and all the isms that come along with it, the stigma that's attached, that, God, we will seek your direction and recognize that you are the God who heals. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Everybody says, amen. Amen. All right. So a couple, I have a couple announcements that I want to touch on um, as we're getting ready to go into um, the series, um, Hope for Mental Health. And um, we're going to go ahead and connect in, in that. But we have some really cool things. A couple of those that are always cool that we always lift up is our Stephen ministry um, that is always available uh, during this time and, and throughout the year. Um, they also are get, gearing, getting geared up um, on October 18th uh, at 6.30. Um, they're going to get together and deal with surviving the holidays. Uh, it's a seminar for people who are grieving, um, maybe from a death, maybe from a, a divorce, maybe some other things that you're just kind of dealing with loss or something. And um, statistics show that depression and everything increases on the holidays. For some, for some it's in a, a time of elation. But because it is a time of elation for some, it's also a downtime for many, many others. And um, you have a lot of things that rise during that. So we want to get ahead of that a little bit. And so if you want to connect with that ministry. Um, also, uh, coming up on October 30th at 6.30, um, our Trunk or Treat, um, and it's going to be, a, uh, a, let me see where it is, it's going to be right here, it's not going to be inside like it has been before, it's going to be outside, and so if you'd like to go ahead and connect and be one of those trunks that, be, uh, that you, you have for people, um, it's a great time that we can just get together, and again, we're going to follow the, the guidelines, um, you know, you wear a mask anyway at Halloween and that time of year, so you can just put another mask on, maybe make it, I don't know. Put one underneath, nobody will know, but it'll be fun, and then when you get home, you can eat your candy. It works for that, but we'll have a good time, so if you have, want to know more information about that, you can email Kate, K-A-T-E, at havencc.org. A uh, couple other things. Um, Parish Foundation, thank you all. Um, we have, our, we have uh, the food, is, um, and which I'm very excited about, uh, so thank you all for going ahead and having those meals that are set up for the, uh, the 18th. Um, and then something else that I, I really want to touch on, which I'm excited about, is uh, 
we, we met this week as a leadership team, looked at some things, and, and um, decided, much like others, we need to really get our kids back at some level in, in our Christian education, our Haven Kids program. And we're doing, like Kate and them are doing a lot of great things by, by meeting outside and doing things, but we want to reopen during this time as well. And so what we're doing is uh, it's reopening once a month. Early, uh, we're going to start off with that um, with combined age groups. So kids from the same family can stay together. Um, and we're going to be utilizing classrooms on both the cafe side of the church and drop-off is, be- uh, is at the beginning of church as parents make their way to sanctuary. We're limiting that early on, to, like everything else is limited right now, as you all well know, um, but it is nice to see uh, a sort of kind of full layout today, but it'll be limited to 15 children, so you can go ahead and registration will start the same time as it does for church, so you can register at church and uh, for our Sunday school, our Haven kids, at 10 a.m., starting 10 a.m. on Monday, and it'll start tomorrow morning uh, for next Sundays, okay? So that's, a, we're making steps, right? We're, we're making those steps and getting there, and hopefully God will answer our prayer and get the rest of this stuff out. Um, another thing, Family Fun Day, uh, the Haven Kids Sunday School is hosting a Family Fun Day at Milburn Orchards on the 24th from 10 a.m. to noon. They have a private pavilion, and the entire barnyard and pumpkin patch will be open for the enjoyment, so you can register your family, and they have the admission cost there, um, ages 3 to 59, 10 uh, college students, and 60 plus are 5, and then under, um, 2 and under are, are free. So that's another opportunity to go ahead and get that. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, Operation Christmas Child. We are, we are doing that. There's boxes out there. You can feel free to pr- purchase the, the little plastic box at um, Dollar Store or Walmart or some kind of mart. Um, you can go ahead and do that if you want to do, do that and pack it. Um, and so there's several different ways. You can pack a box and drop off at the church. Um, you can build a box online and you can donate uh, to, uh, uh, toward boxes and supplies. You can donate um, for the, the, you can donate money as well in that deal. And what's going to happen is um, on November the 8th after church, um, going to be providing an opportunity to pack shoe boxes, so which our kids have always done in our Haven Kids program, but we're going to give that opportunity. They're going to do it uh, on the sidewalk out front here, so give another opportunity to do that. And, you, and if you want to help with that, um, you don't have to be a kid. You can go ahead and connect and do, and do that as well. So pretty cool that no matter what, what's going on out there, that we still have a lot of things that are rolling along, and I'm excited about that. What about you? All right, there we go. All right, so here we go. Today we are going to kick off our series. Uh, Hope for Mental Health. It is a seven-week series, um, and there may be some other things that, you know, like we, depending on how the world goes, because, you know, one thing we've all learned um, in 2020, it doesn't always go the way you want it to, and so it may switch gears on us, but by and large, we're going to get dedicate seven full weeks of messages to this, and um, I really want this to be a series that we're not just learning, saying, oh, that was good, and we move on. Um, but we're going we're gonna to kind of look at this because um, uh, I think it was the Air Force did a study and found out that most of what we learn, uh, that we hear by learning, we forget in 72 um, hours later. So by Wednesday, you'll forget everything I said today. Um, but one of the things that we do have is some of you may have taken a bulletin, correct? And if you, if you um, did not get one, you can kind of raise your hand and there might be a couple others out there and they'll make sure to get you one. Um, we started to do those a little bit more um, so that we're, we can have those. And I really thought it was important for you guys to have that during this time and to be able to follow along. If you did not get a, a hard copy bulletin, you didn't want to go there, that's cool. We also have the digital copy. Melinda, can you put that up there so people can pull their um, smartphones out? Uh, I think it's right there. Uh, it'll come, there you go. And you can 
take your camera out, QR code it, have it, and then you can do whatever you want with it, all right? And save it for eternity on the cloud. I don't care. It's up to you, all right? This is about you. Hi, Patty. This is in class, but go for it, okay? Okay. Um, my next mm-hmm. um, I was getting ready to go over the pier, and all of a sudden I hear this big boom like this explosion. And I looked out and I saw a fire. I mean, it was blazing. And I thought it was her home. Mm-hmm. I opened it up, and her husband was literally on fire. Wow. Oh, gosh, yes, definitely. And, and for your husband as well, how, how's he doing? So that's the miracle, right? Okay, well, hey, hey, so, you know. Okay, well, <laughs> it's all right. So, hey, he's, he's, his, but that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. So we thank God for his intervention there. And we th- you know, hey, so I'm going to tell you this. If you can't make it to church and somebody's on fire and they still make it, that tells you. That's dedication right there. Um, so unless you're on fire next week, you, not, we can, you take that off the list. If you're on fire, you cannot miss church. There you go. Or some, your husband is. All right. That's great. Right. Hey. So God answers. So we want to thank, we want to continue to add your husband to the prayer list and, and you guys, and we're th- so thankful for that. Isn't it good to hear like God is at work in the midst of this crazy, crazy world we live in, all right? So um, again, I do want this to be something that we, we not, not only look at, um, but one of the things is, and, some, and many people ask the question, why, why are we touching on mental health? And, and uh, I did a video this week, and I think it went out to many of you. One of the main reasons, and, and again, we have, a, we have a page there that we'll probably begin to link some things to um, that can help with resources and other things. But the main reason why we're dealing with um, mental health from a church is simply this answer, because we haven't. Um, and that is, that is the, the main thing. And because one of the things about mental health is we, there's such an, a, a stigma that people attach to it. Um, and, you know, like if you have, if you have cancer, that many people on our prayer list that we, we lifted up, um, if you're, if you're having, struggling with certain things, that's different. But when we say, hey, someone's dealing with, with something like uh, anxiety or depression or suicide or, or um, you know, it could be even to the level of schizophrenia. There's a stigma that, that is approached to that that we've done for years. And so um, we're, gonna, we're just going to jump in and embrace what God has for us. The series was actually put together, and there is a, um, not a, sm- sorry, I'm dropping stuff all over the place, not a small group study, but it is more like of a, an ongoing group that can go for like 25 weeks if you go every week um, or throughout a year every other week. Um, that was put together by Rick and Kay Warren uh, from Saddleback Community Church in California. Um, And they put it together after their son Matthew, after struggling with um, borderline personality disorder, extreme depression, and several other things, um, succumbed and took his life. And they talk about the great pain they have gone through, and they went through, and yet they took the tragedy that God gave to them and wanted to help people connect and really, really deal with this, um, and, and really help people through everything. So we're going to just see where God leads us through this, and I'm going to throw a lot at you today, okay, ready? Because it's like the first week, so I'm just going to throw a lot of things, and um, some of you may say, well, why did I come to church? I don't have any mental 
illness issues, and the person next to you said, yeah, you need to be here. Um, but in addition to that, um, we also want to go ahead and, and recognize that we all are affected by, by um, some level of this. And there will be something for you in this. And then you, maybe you leave here and go, wow, maybe I do. And I can, I can work through this. But, um, you know, so through this series, I hope that you connect and find it interesting. Um, I hope it's not like uh, there's a story about a pastor who stood up and said, there will be a board meeting immediately after the service. And so the service went on, and they went ahead, and then they met, and the people got together, and they met. And then all of a sudden, they noticed that there's this visitor, first-time visitor that was sitting there. They said, sir, did, I'm not sure that you heard us right, but we are having a board meeting. He said, well, yeah. He said, after that message, I'm about as bored as anybody else. So hopefully you're not as bored during this, uh, during this uh, series and that you'll connect and we'll, we'll, we'll be good. Okay, I, I see we got some kids here, and I know, we have, I know as a parent, um, as a, as, when my kids were really young, I went to a place that I had to go that it was kind of torturous. Anybody heard of Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> the worst food ever, right? They call that stuff pizza. It's not. I'd rather have Elio's, just to let you know. Um, I, was a, I was a lot heavier at the time, and I'd crawl around in those, like, big tubes in the sky to try to go get my kids, and I'd be like, ugh, coming out of there, you know. Nothing's worse than a thir- young 30-year-old guy out of shape, kind of climbing through a big pipe with kids running by you, all right? Um, but there was a, they, there and at other places, down at the beach and other places, there was a game. And the game was called Whack-A-Mole. Anybody remember Whack-A-Mole? So Whack-A-Mole goes, boom, and then as you hit it, and then something pops everywhere, boom, boom, boom. Anybody, how many of you ever played Whack-A-Mole? All right, so Whack-A-Mole, just the time, and you know, I started thinking about Whack-A-Mole. Whack-A-Mole is a lot like a metaphor for your life. That just about the time you have one problem smack back down, here comes another one. And you hit it, and then it goes back down. But here's the big problem. The big problem is that when one comes up, two more come up, and then they seem like they're taking time, and then all over the place. And here's the big problem in this. You can never fully win at whack-a-mole. And the same thing with life. You can never fully have times and, and have a full life with no issues. That occur. So I want to take a survey here real quick, and you're going to help me out. Have you, ever, have you ever done some things that, you know, you wished you hadn't have done, or you might have said, why, do I, why am I doing that? Have you ever stayed up late when you knew that you needed sleep? Have you ever um, uh, stayed up late and then slept in for church? I have to be here, all right? Um, but I used to. Um, have you ever eaten or drunk extra calories that you knew you shouldn't have? Uh, why does everything it taste so good, so bad for you? I don't get that, okay? Have you ever made commitments that you couldn't possibly keep? Have you ever felt you ought to exercise but didn't? Have you ever known you should be kind and unselfish, but instead you were unkind and unselfish? Very selfish, excuse me. Have you ever tried to take control of your life, a circumstance, or another person and discovered that you couldn't? Congratulations and welcome. You are a part of the official human race if you've raised your hand in that. Um, what's interesting, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul had the same problem. The Apostle Paul, we're going to find out, had a lot of problems. And he said this. He said in Romans 7, I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. What I hate to do, I end up doing. Is that anybody? 
I know that nothing good lives in my sinful nature, and I have a desire to do what's good. What does he say? But I cannot carry it out. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it under my own self. I can't do it under my own power. How many of you tried to willpower something? How's that, how good, how's that work for you? It never works um, on that. So let's take a little inventory. And so hopefully you have one of those um, bulletins that you may have one um, in there. Uh, I have a list of, of, a list of words. And I'll kind of read through some of them if you don't have a bulletin. But it's uh, stress, fears, my overwork, attractions, addictions, regret, diet, worry, bad habits, anger, dishonesty, need to control, finances, relationships, painful memories, perfectionism, resentment, compulsive thoughts. And so what I want you to do is there in your outline, this is for you, I'd like you to circle which of these things keep popping up in your life. This is just for you. It's, I'm not collecting it. It won't be for a grade. Um, so see that, that bulletin, and as you're, as you're just kind of working through that, uh, you know, I got a multicolored pen. If you got one bulletin, I'll, you guys can go ahead and do that. And again, if you had the QR, you can just kind of look at those and check off. But as you're looking at that, what do you think is the cause of all these problems? The cause of all these problems, there's one root cause. No matter what you're circling right now, there's one cause. And it's this. The cause is we like to play God. You say, what? I wouldn't expect that. I thought you were going to say sin. I thought you were going to come up with some kind of churchy answer. No, no. We like to play God. Because when, I'm, when I act like I'm God, I'm going to make my choices instead of doing what God wants me to do. I'm going to have, and when I do that, here's, here's what happens. When I do what I want to do and not what God wants me to do, I end up in a point where I'm going to have these problems in my life. See, our oldest, our oldest temptation um, is, is, is the same way that we've had this old temptation. It's been the same temptation for, since uh, the onset, day one, Adam and Eve in the garden. They were told, eat of anything, every fruit of the garden except for this. And what happened? Satan said, the serpent said, no, 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 you're not going to die. You will what? Be like God. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't as much as the, we get caught up in the fruit. The thing that kicked him over, because they went by that fruit a lot. And they said, ah, it looks good. It really looks good. Like, you know, when you're, going, when you're on a diet and you're going by ice cream, well, that looks good. That looks really good. Or you go by and you see, like, cheeseburgers and pizzas and um, what else you like? Chocolate cake, anything else? You see that? You guys are going, mm, man, that looks good. Yeah, it looks good. But the thing that really got them was he said, no, 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 no. You will not surely die. You'll be like God. And that's what kicked him over. Isn't that funny? funny? That's the thing that, that kicked him over. And it's the same thing that kicks us over as well. You see, like, because Adam and Eve, you know, you ever hear about the story about um, Adam and Eve in the garden where, God, where Adam was walking around the garden and he was looking around and he, he saw that all these animals had this, this, this great mate and he was alone and he didn't know what to do and he goes to God, and he says, you know, God, the garden is amazing, uh, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit lonely. He says, is there anything that you can send my way for company? And God answers and says, uh, you know, well, I've got the perfect person. She's going to help you with absolutely everything. She'll clean. She'll cook. She'll wash your clothes. She'll give you breakfast in bed. She will 
always uplift you and encourage you. She will rub your feet after a long day and give you back massages. And she's perfect in every way. And he says, that sounds great. Can you send her to me? He's, he said, yeah, I can, but there's one thing. It's going to cost you an arm and leg. And Adam said, what can I get for a rib? And the rest is history. There we go. All right. So sorry, don't give me. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I don't care what you say, all right? Um, but um, in Ezekiel, we're told that... In the pride of your heart, you said, I am God. But you are just a man and not a God, though you think you are as wise as God. Isn't it funny? We look at our, our, our culture and our, our society today that so many people think there's no need for God because they're so wise. They're much wiser. They think they're as wise as God could be. And every time God tells you to do something and you don't do it, we are playing God. You're saying that I actually know what is going to make me happier than God does. And it comes from pride because pride will ruin our lives that we heard. I have a question. How, have, you ever really, have you ever realized the common denominator in your bad relationships? What is the common denominator in bad, your bad relationships? You, exactly, right? Then you know, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever known people who say they always constantly have some sort of conflict and some kind of issue with somebody? And it's, they, they forget that the only thing that is the same in both those things is them. And it's the same thing with us. We all have that, we all have that common denominator because many times we are our own worst enemies. We cause many of our own issues. Not all of them, but what is the cure? The cure is found in one of the greatest messages. Even people who are atheists uh, believe it's one of the greatest teachings ever found in what we call the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Where basically Jesus says there are eight ways for you to live the blessed life. He says, you are blessed if you do such and so. The blessed are these. Um, and he does this several times. The problem is most of us wouldn't know a blessing if it smacked us in the face. And blessing comes from the Greek word makarismos, which actually is a poetic form of the verb makar. And makar means happy. So Jesus is basically in the Sermon on the Mount. I challenge you to read it. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's basically saying, here are eight things for your life to be happy. Here are these things. So I'm going to start, I'm going to grab the first thing that he says there. Because you don't get to the other ones unless you grab the first thing. And the first thing that he says is this from Matthew chapter 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So question, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Notice that it says in spirit. It's not saying physically or economically poor. Because there's no blessing in physically being poor or um, or in, um, in financially being poor. That's not the blessing part there. He's talking about spiritual poverty. What we're talking about here is recognizing that I am sinful, recognizing that I am helpless, and recognizing that I am hopeless. That I have a sinful, helpless, hopeless existence. Doesn't that make you feel good today? So what do you, in God's word translation... It says, blessed are those who recognize that they are spiritually helpless. So that is the first part for us getting there. Poor in spirit simply means this. And to celebrate recovery, which is a, um, it, it, um, is a Christian focus on people getting through addiction and other kinds of things. In celebrate recovery, this is their first step. The first step is, I admit that I need help, 
that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. That is the first reality that we need to have. And so that's why we're talking about the reality choice today. That what, what we need to do is to really get honest with ourselves about who we are. And we need to admit we need help. That we're powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. And my life is unmanageable as I have control of it. So that's how Jesus wants us poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those, here's what he's saying, blessed are those who need help, who are powerless, who can't do right, and whose life is unmanageable. Does that sound like somebody you want to be your pastor? Does that sound like somebody you wanted to confide in and and be a Christian? They are the ones who inherit the kingdom of God because they are helpless. And when you are helpless and hopeless and can't control your life and it's unmanageable, then, and the hope is that you turn to the one who can control and can guide and manage it. And so, how do we develop the spirit of being poor in spirit? Well, number one, I must humbly admit that I need help. Everybody say, I need help. I need help. Okay, I've got to face the truth about me, and I have to stop living in denial. And that's not in Egypt. I've got to stop living in denial. The scripture says, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. There we go. The problem is, we don't like the truth. Oh, we don't like the truth about us. We love the truth about somebody else, but we hate the truth about me. I hate the truth about me. Guess what? There are some things that I know about me that some of you know and some of you will never know. There are things I don't like, and if you bring them to me, I get angry. I get aggravated. I get frustrated. But boy, do I love bringing the truth to you about what you have and what you know and what I know about you. you, Right? Don't we like to do that? We love to point those things out about people. And so what happens is we avoid it. We avoid the things about us that are true that we don't like. We avoid it and we fake it. We avoid and fake. The good news is though that our habits and hurts and hang-ups can be healed. The bad news is it takes humility to do that. And in this narcissistic world we live in, there's not a lot of humble out there. And so what do we see in James chapter 4? It said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the what? Humble. So if I want God's power to make adjustments to my life, I have got to be humble. And then I also have to admit that there are things about me, there are things about you, there's facts that I need to admit. Here's a couple of things that I I need to admit. Number one, I need to admit that I am broken. Everybody say broken. Why do I need to admit that I'm broken? Because in case you don't know, we live in a broken and fallen world where nothing works perfectly. The weather doesn't work perfectly. The economy doesn't work perfectly. Our relationships don't work perfectly. Our churches don't work perfectly. Our marriages don't work perfectly. Everything in this world is broken to some level. Have you ever noticed that your body doesn't always work perfectly? And the older you get, it tends to decide to work even less perfectly at times. Time and time again. God never intended for there to be physical, emotional, and mental issues and deformities. God never intended that. When God created, God created this, and he said it is good. 
He created and he said, this is good. It is by the fallen nature that we live in this broken world that God had never intended. So God never intended for us to have this situation, but the fact is we live in a broken world where everything around us is broken, so why would we think we are not? Each one of us is broken. Like for instance, if you take two broken people and you put them in a marriage, what do you have? A broken marriage. It's not going to be everything's not going to be perfect. It's, you've got to work on it, and you've got to put the skills in to overcome the brokenness. If you ignore it, it ain't going to be good a little bit later. In Romans chapter 8, we're told that creation is groaning or creation is confused. It's frustrated, it's groaning, it's confused. So that's the first thing, admit that I'm broken. The next thing is, and everybody loves this one, is that we need to admit our secrets because if we, uh, what, our secrets are making us sick. The secrets that we hold make us sick. David said in Psalm 32, he said, when he was holding in his secrets, he said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, everybody say finally. And finally, I confessed all my sin to you. And stop trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And he forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. He said, when I held those secrets in, he literally got physically, mentally, and emotionally sick. It tore him up. You see, it's not so much, we spend a lot of time focusing on what we eat that damages us. But it's not what we eat, it's what's eating us that brings the real damage. If you're tired all the time and you're frustrated and you've got all these problems, guess what? You need to look about what's ho- what you're holding on to or hiding and saving a lot of effort to do that inside. So like when you fear, when you hide a fear, like for instance, when you hide something that you're afraid of, it intensifies. Like I'm going to tell you, I hate snakes. I hate them to a passion. I will run and squeal like a five-year-old girl if you bring one, all right? I've always hated them, and, um, and I will throw things at you, and I will say dirty words, so don't do it, all right? But if I try, I've been places before where people have snakes, and I go, hmm, yeah. You want to touch it? No, I'm good. Are you afraid of them? No. Mm-mm. No. You sure? Ah! You know, I take off running because when you try to hide it, 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 it doesn't work. It intensifies. The fear gets worse and worse. When you hide a hurt, When you hide a hurt, a memory, it imprints on your mind and it gets stronger and stronger. And that imprint on your mind starts to grow and it starts to creep into other areas of your mind. That hurt. And when you release it, you can begin to work through it. Next week, we're going to talk about the battle for your mind that is going on. And that's going to be the theme of next week's message. When you hide a mental health struggle for fear of how it's going to be viewed by people or what you're dealing with and and how it's viewed, it tends to grow more and more and more and takes over your life. So my question to you is, what are you pretending in your life is not a problem? What is it that you're saying, no, 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 I got this, but you really don't? The third thing is, I must admit I must admit it to defeat it. I cannot work on stuff in my life until I realize and say, I've got this in my life. I have to deal with this. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, 
says, you will never succeed in life if you hide your sins. Confess them and give them up and God will show mercy to you. It's like what sin does, yeah, it separates us from God. We've all heard, heard that. But I think what sin does, it builds a wall around us. That there's the, the original hurdle of it. And then we begin to put walls in so that nobody can see what's behind the other walls. And before we know it, we're hemmed in and we get nowhere. We can't get forward. Because if we take a step forward, we take two back. And, and, and meanwhile, we're spending so much effort just conflicted. Time and time again, we waste so much time and energy to hide our guilt, our faults, our weaknesses, and our struggles. All that energy to pretend that you're somebody you're not, to hide those weaknesses, faults from other people. And it drains your life because you're exhausted all the time, time and time again. So I'm broken. My secrets keep me sick. I can't defeat it until I admit it. And the other thing is my pride and fear Keep me stuck. Adam in the garden, right after he sins, God goes to look for them. And he says, I was naked, so I hid. And God's response was, who the heck told you you were naked? Yes, naked, no clothes, yada, yada, yada. But more importantly, by having a knowledge, because when God created, everything was what again? Good. Adam and Eve only had knowledge of good. God created them to only have knowledge and understanding of good. Wouldn't you love to have that in your life? I remember when Judah was little, he was playing on the playground, and he was, uh, and we kind of had um, a, a police officer that he didn't know act like, like he was, um, like he wanted to show him a dog or something. You know, parents, you know, you do this, and he had to. Say, come here and do that. And he was going with him because he was young. We had to introduce the fear of evil, of being abducted in this world, to keep him safe. That did not exist in God's world before. There was no knowledge of evil. But once Adam and Eve partook of the fruit and separated and became like God, knowing good and evil, what it did, it brought something else into them. And Adam all of a sudden said, wow, and realized not that he was just butt naked, but that he was vulnerable in his life. And it created him with fear for the very first time. Fear crept in. And when fear creeps in, Adam was scared. And then depression and other kinds of things came from that root of fear, all because he wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil. He said, I'm naked. I'm vulnerable. It's pride. We don't want, we don't want anybody to see our, our nudity. We don't want anybody to see that we're vulnerable. We don't want anybody to see that we struggle with things mentally. We don't want to see that we struggle with anxiety and depression and fear and, and all those things. No, because then somebody's going to think something different from me. It is the fear that I'm scared to death of my own weaknesses. Mental health stigma is keeping people from help, according to several articles that I found. Half of all lifetime cases of mental illness in the United States begin around age 14, and 75% by age 24. The average delay between onset of symptoms and intervention is 8 to 10 years. How many of you, if you had cancer, would you wait 8 to 10 years to go to the doctor? No, she, she is not either. She said sorry. 44% right? 
uh, excuse me, 44 million American adults experience a mental illness in any given year. And just to let you know, during COVID, it's skyrocketing upward. Less than half will receive treatment for mental illness, for mental health, excuse me, because of the stigma that keeps people from getting help. We have 42 million adults that are dealing with anxiety disorders. Nine and a half percent, which comes to about 22 million adults, are dealing with uh, some mood disorder, like major depression or bipolar. So what causes the stigma? Ready for this? I know you're going to be shocked. The media approach has really helped keep people away from getting it. When you have movies that depict people like The Beautiful Mind or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Rain Man or As Good As It Gets, all good movies, it leaves people with a stigma of thinking that they, they can't get help and that they're just lost or they, the stereotype would be there. News, our television news, often when we have a tragedy like the Columbine shooting or other kinds of shooting and the, and the horrible one up in um, Connecticut several years ago with the young children, they immediately go to, this person was treated for a mental, mental health issue. So the only time we hear about it is movies where people are odd or a, a disaster. And so if, I ha- if I'm diagnosed with that, I have a fear that people are going to think I'm going to go ahead and shoot up a school or a public place because I'm diagnosed with that. And that's not the truth at all. Um, so, other, so one of the other things is the lack of education has come about, that we haven't educated people, that there, there's been major research and major help in areas of mental health. However, we haven't educated people on the proper ways to get that from the earliest onset. The consequences of the stigma that people are often labeled as crazy. And when they're labeled as crazy, it puts you in this realm when you get this uh, area here. So by being, they often end up being ostracized by family, friends, coworkers, bosses, neighbors, and others when they find out they have some sort of mental health issue they're dealing with. The fear of being found out causes people to avoid treatment, and they isolate themselves and lose self-esteem. Studies show prejudice and discrimination against those who, are, uh, who deal with mental health issues is pervasive and it's debilitating. Individuals with known mental illnesses are often denied housing, refused employment, discriminated against within their places of employment, treated poorly like by family, friends, and also religious organizations. Do you realize that 37% of the students with, a, with mental health condition age 14 or older drop out of high school? They have the highest dropout rate of any, any, any group or any disability group. 70% of our youth in state and local juvenile justice systems have been diagnosed with a mental health issue, at least one. 26% of homeless adults in shelters live with serious mental health issues. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Um, serious mental illness costs the, United St- uh, costs the U.S., $193.2 billion in lost earnings last year. 90% of those who died by suicide had an underlying mental health issue. And the church has remained silent, or even worse, we've been on the wrong side of this issue for year after year after year. So what do we see? In the 1970s, there was a book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. Guess what? You're not okay. You're not okay. And guess what? I'm not okay. And guess what? That's okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. None of us are okay. 
but God's grace is what makes us okay. And that's where we're going to go. So the second thing that we're going to do, I need to humbly ask God for help. I admit, and I ask, and I admit I need help, and then I ask God for help, and I move from confession to petition. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the one who wrote most of the New Testament. This is stained glass Paul. This is the one who took on Simon Peter, the rock of the church. This is that Paul. And look what he writes here. He says, we despaired of life itself. Does that sound like somebody who should be in stained glass? Sounds like somebody who is depressed, discouraged, and actually makes a statement that he is ready to give up on life itself. That's Paul. That's Paul. So you're not alone. But look how he responds. He says, we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. And wait a second. He was despaired of life. That means he's depressed and maybe borderline suicidal. Maybe. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But it was what? But it was good. Why would it be good to admit that you're helpless and powerless? For then, here's why, for then we put everything, everybody say everything. We put everything in God's hands. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you have. And that's when we put everything in his hands. And why did he do that? Who alone could save us? For he can even raise the dead. See, what Paul tells us here is he was depressed, he was struggling. He wished life was over. He was helpless. He was hopeless. He was powerless. And then he said, but that's okay. Because guess what? I'm throwing it all on the person who I know raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm throwing it all on the person who, raised, um, who, who healed uh, the sick and caused the blind to see. That's the one. That's the one who can, can make a way when there is no way. So guess what? If he doesn't, I'm in the same situation I was before. But guess what? I don't have to worry. I don't have to get concerned about it when I give it all because we put everything into his hands. Everything means this, total surrender. Total surrender. You put everything in his hands. And I'm going to ask you, have you done that? Why do we always wait till we hit rock bottom to reach out to God? The problem for most, is that most of us rarely surrender everything to God and seek help from our fears because the only time we do this is when our fears are exceeded, exceeded by the pain that we experience. We, often we live in a time where we only go to God, and we'll talk about others in a little bit, but we only go to God when the pain is more than our fears, and that's when we seek God. I heard someone once say, you don't always have to be knocked on your back to look up to God. And often that's the approach that we take. I love the message translation in Matthew chapter three, uh, 5. You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God in his rule. So basically, if you're at the end of your rope, congratulations. Now it's time to hold on and, and reach God. Number three, I must humbly accept help from other people. Some people hate to receive help from people. Despise it. There's some of you that don't like help from anybody. I do it myself. We're like little kids. I'm going to do it myself. Ah, I got it. Leave me alone. Eh. 
Get away. Anybody have kids that do that? We do the same thing with God and others. Leave me alone. I got this. But the fact is, God wired us in such a way that we don't get along well by ourselves. The issue in your life is that we want to get rid of that issue or that thorn in our flesh. But we're trying to do it under our own power. And as I just read from the Apostle Paul, he said, we can't do it. I couldn't do it. It was bothering me. I was getting depressed. You're never going to get rid of your issue on your own. You're never going to, and, and even if it's not getting rid of, you're never going to deal with it. The Apostle Paul said, I prayed three times. I pleaded with God to remove the, the thorn of my flesh. And guess what God said? My grace is sufficient. In other words, deal with it. Lean on me. All right? Lean to me. Go to me. It's still going to be there. So you may, this is one of the things that we need to recognize. You may be dealing with an issue in a mental health situation, and it may always be there. But with Christ, you're going to make it. If you lean on him and lean on others, if the church acts the way it should. Look at what this says. And I usually use, have used this at weddings from Ecclesiastes. It says, two are better than one. Talking about people. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. That's called healing. So people bring healing. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You realize there are 58 times in the New Testament it uses the phrase one another. Love one another. Care for one another. Help one another. Encourage one another. Pray with one another. Gather together. Support one another. Counsel one another. We are not just Christians. We're a community. We're designed to help each other out. And one of the studies that sociologists have been finding out is that Because of COVID, it has separated us to the point that even though we see each other, we are missing out on community. We are missing out on on like just that that natural feeling of when a handshake becomes like right? We that we're focused more on that than the fact, oh my gosh. I was at a wedding, I did a wedding last week, and one of the cool things about it was they had um bracelets and they were red yellow and green one was red stay away from me i don't I, just don't even look at me the the um yellow was you know kind of wave but not too far not too close and green was like hugs and handshakes and whatever else you're okay to so people were having to you had to look at people and be like you're it was playing like a red light game stop okay go and then you know you can go oh what you go up to hug somebody like no and you're like ah this is the world we live in now, and it's so counterculture to how God created us in community. When he said to Adam, he said, it is not good for him to be alone. And yet, there are many people, many of our elder population, that have spent eight, almost nine months, completely alone. Completely alone. And you wonder why depression, suicide, and anxiety, or our young people, that are looking forward to celebrating senior years of high school or just getting out and being with people or your, your makeup is like mine that you got to be with people. I mean, people drive me crazy, but i got to be around them. You know what I mean? Or else I'm going crazy, okay, because all the people in here are still talking to me. <laughs> and I'm not joking. <laughs> and when we're alone, you feel the weight of that loneliness. And and, then, and so this is the world that we are living in, time 
and time and time again. I can tell you, for, um, for most of my adult life and most of my, my career, many years of my, of my career as a pastor, I tried to do so much, yes, with God, but when it came down to it, I wanted to do it myself. And honestly, being the fear of people seeing Jack as being faulty or helpless or hopeless was not the deal that I wanted to share with you. Because from a very young age, guilt crept into my life, and it became a prime motivator. And it guided me, and it directed me, and just let you know, that ain't a good thing. There were times where, because of something happening, I took complete blame and loss, and it, created, and it captured my mind, my life, all kinds of other things because of something most of the time that I didn't even do, but I took ownership of something I didn't even do. And I lived that way for time and time again. And it would get, it would get really bad, really bad, really bad, really bad, and then I'd pull myself out of it, and I'd be like, oh, okay, here we go, and I, and I got good at the game face. I can put it on. I don't need a mask. I can go, hey, I can do that. And then there reached a time about five, four or five years ago where I said, I can't do it anymore this way. I was ready to give up on everything, including myself. I could have taken what Paul said and attached it to my life that I spared of life itself. I had had enough of all this. And I had a choice at that time to try to pull myself back up in that, in that cyclical pattern again or to get help. And I finally called somebody and said, I need somebody to talk to. And every other week, I meet with this person, and she has heard everything. And you can imagine what it would be like on the other side of listening to me share things. It is fun. Sometimes she's like, uh, can we cut this short? And, you know, and sometimes she's like, oh, my gosh. There have been moments that have been an intense breakthrough where I'm like, that's why I'm so messed up. And there have been other areas where I'm like, I paid them that much for that? But I can tell you, and there's, and there's times where I, I go back to that cyclical pattern. There's times where because of stuff going on in my life, and I don't know about you, but I like, like as a pastor and somebody with ADHD, I am always not in the room. I'm somewhere else. I'm like two months ahead. Like I'm in 2021 right now, just to let you know. And, and by doing that, my mind works in a way that I work out every situation that can possibly happen. The good, the bad, the ugly, the mixed up. So when that situation comes, I'm like, oh yeah, I've lived this out in my life. And let you know, that is laborious. Every time I have dealt with, when, before I come to church, I am already thinking about what every situation that I'm responsible for may happen in this mind. All the time I live that way. And then when something happens, I live in the past that, my gosh, why couldn't I have been there in that moment? I would have stopped it. I would have done this. That's how I live every day. And sometimes it helps you be prepared, but other times it's torturous. Absolutely torturous. And so what I'm saying is, if it wasn't for the person that I have who I pay who has to listen to my mess, I can tell you I would not be standing here as the pastor anymore. And I can tell you I don't know where I would be in my life because I just couldn't do it anymore. And there's moments where that comes up. I needed help, and we all need help because here's what the Scripture says. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. So if you have, your, if you have that highlight, look at the words healed, admit, pray, 
and each other. And if you draw a line between that, if you want to be healed in your life, that's the key. Admit your faults to God, no. Admit your faults to the counselor, no. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And I will tell you another thing. For me, the person that I needed to talk to, my counselor, had to be a Christian. For me. Because my life, if I'm seeking Christ, I need somebody who loves Christ too. Just for me. That's what I needed. All right? I need somebody who doesn't give a crap about Christ telling me how to live my life. That's just one of the things I had to do. The way you get well is by revealing what you're feeling. There are times that someone will come and talk to me and say, Jack or Pastor Jack or sometimes Cohen, I get that too. Um, I've never told anybody this, but I want to share with you. And when they do that, I'm like, yes, because now they're on the road to healing. They're beginning the step. I know that they're about to experience some level of freedom that they never have in their life. They're sharing that fear, sharing that fault, sharing that difficulty, sharing that hurt, sharing that mental health struggle, and revealing their feelings is the beginning of healing and living into the fullness of life that Jesus promised that you have. I tell my kids all the time, hey guys, I am giving you lots of stuff for counseling later in life because I am your dad. And I'm honest about that because guess what? What was number one? I am broken. And broken people often help break people because they're broken too. So let me be real clear here right here. I gotta be really, really clear so you hear what I'm saying. If you want to be forgiven, tell God. If you want healing, you've gotta tell somebody else. That doesn't mean you have to tell everybody. Some people want to tell everybody their business. And guess what? You need to share with people who you trust, who have your best interest in heart, that don't have a big mouth, that just took out half your friends right there, that love you unconditionally, that are not going to blame you, but they may sit there and go, well, me too. I've been there. I understand that. Or if they haven't been, they say, wow, that's really tough. I want to let you know I'm going to be here for you and whatever, and listen. Sometimes the power of listening, God gave us two ears and one mouth to listen with. And honestly, over time, my biggest hurdle in getting help for my struggles of anxiety, depression, fear, and all those things was my personal desire to look good. And you may be the same. You want people to, to look, you want to look good to other people, and so you don't want to tell anybody else what's going on in your life. To truly have hope become healing, we have to combat the fears that Satan throws our way that keeps us stuck. There are three fears that Satan shares. And I told you, I'm throwing a lot at you today, and, um, and we'll get you there. I'm going to rip through these really quickly, all right? You ready? Here we go. The fear of your own emotions. Fear that if I deal with this issue, that memory, that event, that sin, that abuse, that accident, that hurt, that evil, wicked, mean, bad, nasty thing, that issue that is constantly in my mind, then I won't be able to handle the shame or my own emotions. In fact, I may, we tell ourselves, I may go crazy. Like after you were, like quarantine at first was kind of fun, wasn't it? And you were around with, with a lot of people, and then you get to the point like, if I got to stare at these people one more time, I'm going to go crazy. Or if they got to stare at me, we already know they're already headed there. Because I'm a lot to live with, just to let you know. 
right? Yeah, all right. Be quiet, Elijah. All right. <laughs> um, but there's a stigma. We talked about the stigma that is created. And so here's what the, the mental illness is crazy. So here's what I want to tell you something. If you are, quote, going crazy, you need to understand two things. Every human being has had that fear. Every human being has walked the face of the earth. And here's the other part of that. Only rational people have that fear. So you're not going crazy. Like, for instance, crazy people aren't afraid of being crazy. Think about it. If you are certifiably insane, you don't care. If you're worried about you being crazy, then you're not crazy. So if that's all you got today, enjoy it. You can say, told you I'm not crazy. All right, so you can, you can But everybody in this room does have fears, insecurities. We want to look good and better to other people. We all have habits that we don't like in our life. We are all in the same messed up boat. You're broken, but you're not crazy. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm broken, but I'm not crazy. Okay, number two. The fear of reaction of others. I'm afraid to be honest because you might reject me. You might dismiss me. You might think less of me as a Christian. You might think I'm evil. You might abandon and leave me. You may, worse than that, label me. And I've been there. I've been afraid of rejection. I've been afraid of disapproval. And one of the things I'm really, that many of us are afraid of, because, you know, this is one of the things that we got to learn to do. When somebody has an issue, don't try to fix them. Don't try to fix people. Because you're messed up enough. Fix yourself. Work on yourself. Let God, God's the, God's the creator. He's the only one who can fix us. So we need to get over this, this fear to get hope for healing. Number three, fear that honesty is useless. What will it do? What's the point? Why tell anybody else about what I'm struggling with? I've been there, done that, and it doesn't work, and I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm going to say, if you said those things, then you haven't gone all in. You haven't. You haven't gone fully there. You haven't been vulnerable enough to open up to God with others, with God and others, mostly in your life, because he promises healing. So over the next seven weeks, over the next seven weeks, we are going to be seeking Christ as we embrace God's healing in mind, body, and spirit. Remember what was said when we were unable to help ourselves, which is right now. At that moment of our need, which is right now, Christ died for us on the cross. When we were unable to help ourselves and powerless, right now. At the moment of our need, right now, Christ died for us. It's the cross. Jesus came to give you grace, and grace is the power to change. You've got to accept Jesus into your life, and only he has transformation power. That's why in Romans chapter 12 it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What kind of will is it? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You may be thinking, my problem isn't that bad. And my, your statement, and my question to you is, how bad does it have to get before you get help? Someone once said, the acid of my pain finally ate through the wall of my denial. 
May you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Blessed is the one who's at the end of your rope. And what I was always told is when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. And let Jesus work through your life through his hope and his transform, transformative power because he loves you. And he loves you deeply. Amen? Amen? Let's just stand and worship the Lord another time here today. Let's go to, uh, to prayer. God, here we are. And um, today, God, we learned that we are um, powerless and we're broken. Happy Community Church Day. Here we go. Um, but God, we recognize that we need each other. And we also recognize that you love us. You love us apart from, apart from the brokenness that we have. That God, there's something in this brokenness that allows you to work your Holy Spirit in us. That takes us from being who maybe our minds are telling us who we are. Takes us from the place that the world may be telling us who we are. That the enemy, through all the lies we're being told that we are, we deal with. And it places it in a place where, God, we, we're going to embrace what people say. We're going to embrace what our, our brokenness is telling us, that we are broken. And the thing is, God, unlike what we do with stuff, when, when we break things, we throw them away. But God, you tell us that we're not cast off forever. That you just want us come to, to, to nature with our brokenness in this world because this world's not what you intended because this is a broken, fallen world, but through Jesus Christ, we have healing and restoration. So God, we love you. Take all my mess, all my struggles. I thank you, God, for taking all this messed up individual and using me putting me back together piece by piece to be that beautiful treasure that you adore. We love you, God. So right now, anybody in the sound of my voice, just I pray that they will hear you and say, ah, I'm broken and I need a Savior. Let's start there as we hear what you have to, to tell us about the transforming and renewing of our minds. We love you, God. In your name, amen. been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you have been broken your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear your SOS your SOS find you in the middle of the darkest night it's true i will rescue you there is no distance that cannot 
be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. I'll be your shelter. I'll be your armor. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear you everyone. That's our start. Next week, we're going to go ahead and talk about the battle for your mind. And so if you want to do a little homework, think about all the things you think about this week and see how it goes. Have a great week. God bless.